this emotional sobriety, I tell people it's Al-Anon on steroids. My basis of my disease is codependency. And so it's the final frontier, the final freedom. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to, you know, what passes for our emotional sobriety. And this is our second episode uh, as uh, Emotional Sobriety podcast. Uh, Alan Berger and I have been at this for a while with the start right here. But uh, we're really happy and looking forward to, to focusing more on this wonderful topic that is that uh, has become just really a, a major focus of our professional life together. Alan is emotional sobriety. And that's largely due to you. How are you doing? Well, I'm just trying to get the cramp out of my left shoulder here. Oh my God. All right. There it is. <laughs> is, is, is that a tennis thing? Yeah. It's uh, I started working out again now that I'm past my COVID fatigue. It's been so hard. I got COVID in November and I had that long hauler syndrome and until recently, I haven't had enough energy to start working out again. So, so my the guy that I do a mid training with boxing came over mm -hmm. yesterday, and I had my first boxing workout. Oh wow! In November, and there's and, muscles and, of you. And your body, your body is is cussing you. Yeah, yeah, your body is going. I thought did something different yesterday. That's right. I thought we quit that shit. Come on, man. <laughs> it's like. You know, and uh, it was wonderful to get back out there and move. And, and we did try to keep it a bit tame. I'm not ready to get in the ring again. And hopefully I won't be getting in the ring again. <laughs> if I do that, I get you get to definitely have me certified insane. Um, All right. Put away someone. I've got the, I, you, you, I have the paperwork. I've had a long time ready for you. So Patrick's voice is on our new intro and the music backing that up is from a, a wonderful singer songwriter named Jefferson Ross. I'll, we'll talk more about him as we go along. He's a, he, and I'd like for you to meet him, uh, both of you, Patrick and, and, and Alan. He's a, he's a, he's been a long time friend of mine here in Nashville. He, he left Nashville a long time ago, but he's, he's got a lot of wonderful stuff. We'll, uh, there should be information about his, contact information or website or something in our notes but but uh, definitely check him out and we really appreciate his permission to use some of his music to back us up a little bit yes thank you jefferson and look this is our our second show and mm -hmm. we're excited what we're going to do today right is that we have two individuals who join us on a regular basis on thursday night <laughs> Tom and Kathy, and one, well, without any further ado, why don't you both introduce yourself? We'll let ladies go first, Tom, if that's all right. Kathy, welcome. Hi, I'm Kathy, and as far as introduction, what I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana, um, recovering alcoholic, compulsive eater, and in Al-Anon many years, and um, 
grateful to be here. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. And, and I always love seeing you in the show. And I, you know, I feel your excitement about emotional sobriety. Um, so welcome. And we're going to get to talk to you about it here in a minute. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan and Tom and Patrick. And thanks for inviting me. And, and great to have Kathy along. Been seeing her on Thursday nights uh, uh, throughout the year, I guess it's been. And um, I'm Tom. I'm in, I live in New Jersey. I'm an alcoholic and an addict and a Dabbled in a whole bunch of other 12-step fellowships, uh, Al-Anon, ACOA. I've got uh, 32 years of clean and sober and uh, lots of other stuff in between uh, addressing emotional sobriety. Really well, glad you guys are here. Yeah, it's really, really exciting to have you join us. And it's been quite a ride on Thursday nights, hasn't it, for the last year? Well, I have to start and tell you guys, I just love you guys and... It's one of the highlights of my week, and I am learning so much and gaining freedom. And um, I, I tell everyone about it. So just want to thank you so much for all your studies and experience and learning to bring this forward, because I do think it's on the fourth. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Thank you for that, Kathy. Um, I, I've sensed your excitement about this and your enthusiasm and the the meaning that it's brought to your life which i'm so glad for and the and the meaning you share with the other people when you when you share in the group because you're you there's you know it's a it's a, it's a special talent to to be to be able to to kind of uh, you know in term we use a lot is nutshell but kind of just put put into some uh, recognizable brief form some of the wisdom that we want to share with each other and you do a wonderful job with that it's you're just you're very good with words I I can't imagine that you're not I don't know if you are are a writer if you like to write but I would imagine you're a very good writer actually well I believe it or not I was an airline pilot. Mm -hmm. and um, for a major airline and we use checklists. So I thought I would like to show you a checklist that I made up for emotional sobriety. Wow. That's <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. Okay. Uh, Do we yeah. have to say, say uh, co-pilot to pilot or anything like that before we start that? Um, yes. What would the jargon be in the cockpit to, to go over the checklist? Well, let's see. United 457, before start checklist. There we go. I like that. <laughs> Emotional sobriety, 457, before start checklist. There we go. <laughs> what, what made me think of this is in the big book, it has that upon awakening part. Yeah. So I thought if I had this and I laminated it like a checklist, I could look at it every morning. And to me, emotional sobriety is almost like getting in a stance and taking an attitude to approach life. So, and there's so much to it. So I, now some of this may not be global because I picked out some of the stuff I already do. So I picked out for me what, what I need to do. So here it is. All right. Hot off the press, emotional sobriety. So being very organized, I had what to do, what not to do and what to remember. Perfect. So what to do, keep my emotional center of gravity based on my faith, self-support with positive self-talk and affirmations, parent myself with love, keep mm -hmm. a healthy perspective on myself, my feelings, emotional themes, have compassion. Of course I made a mistake. 
Use my personal compass to guide my life. Use I choose and I want. So those four were kind of the to-dos of the to-dos. And then the red um, is kind of thinking about own my projections, confront myself, pressure my own self to change. Remember what others say and do says more about them. Be curious about that. And then the other two were kind of lovely, peaceful things like comfort myself when I'm hurt or disappointed, stay in gratitude, which Mm. is your appreciate what is. (laughs) And then what not to do, no expectations, blaming, shoulds, external validation, Q-tip, quit taking things personally. Don't (laughs) let others edit my reality, choose whether I want to be influenced. And then what to remember, Use tension and trouble to show where I need to grow. Stay connected. Be assertive. Don't people please fight or run and creatively adapt. Let only the situation control me. And remember, the goal is happiness. Uh, Sorry, the goal is not happiness. It's freedom to feel all my feelings and choose my response. Wonderful. So. It's way too organized for me, though. I, I am I am more of a chaotic recovery person, and it just floats in and out of my head. Well, that's cool. You know, I'm very OCD, as you can tell. And so, well, if you were if you were flying any plane I was on, I appreciate your OCDness. You, you, I would not, now, if you would have left the mic on and said, oh, "Of course, I made a mistake," that would have made me nervous. <laughs> Is, is like, but but no, I, I I like people in that profession to be very very, and and it is so thorough, and it's like it's. I mean, I, I even thought as I was listening to it, going like, wow, it's overwhelming in a way. There's so much to remember, and I was and, and my little guy in my head goes goes, yeah, I, I bet it doesn't even compare to the checklist she did before she actually took a, took a, a jet up into the sky. But right. it's like, but it's like even this is like it's so it's so thorough that it really does. It has a, a heavy to it in terms of just responsibility. I love it. Kathy, uh, what on the checklist do you struggle with the most, would you say, at this point in time? Hmm. The projection. that That's hard. Uh, you know, they say in program, if you spot it, you got it. It's this thing. What would happen in my life if I just raise my consciousness even 5% every day? If I just add 5% more consciousness around the themes around emotional sobriety, how would that change the course of my day? How would that change how I experience my day, how I interact Mm -hmm. with other people? So what I love about it is you're really setting your intention, Kathy, is Mm -hmm. to bring a higher Mm -hmm. consciousness into your life on a daily basis, which I think is such an important thing for us to do. You know, I think that's what Bill was encouraging people to do to start the day off, right? With some prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was afraid I would read your book and go, wow, this is great. And then it would just kind of yes. in one ear and out the other. So I was like, how can I apply this? How can I get it in my life? Well, yes. And see, you're bringing up a very good point. You know, we talk about it all the time. And I know I love how, how Tom comes back and, and reminds people of this, but but integrating this requires practice. It doesn't get integrated by it just being a, a 
you know, I read the book and then you put it down and God, there's great ideas in there and see what you're doing is you're picking it up. And what the way I like to describe it is you're digesting it. You've mm-hmm. taken it into your person. I see you've made it yours. You know, mm-hmm. you've tweaked it to fit who you are and your particular, you know, your individuality, you're honoring your values and stuff. And I see that as you're integrating it and you've made it your own and you're practicing it. See, that's the key. What we say is practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Mm-hmm. Practice mm-hmm. makes permanent. And that's what you're doing. So hooray. And everyone out there, listen, you know, take a tip from Kathy on this is that however you choose to do it, if you commit yourself to just increasing your consciousness, even by 5%, I guarantee you, you're going to start to make some incredible changes in your life. So great job, Kathy. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that with everybody today. Hope it helps. I'd be happy to share it with anyone and they can make up their own, individualize it. That's mm-hmm. right. See, that's what a call to that, right? Is that each mm-hmm. of us to do that? And, you know, by the way, which is, which is fun too, Tom and I and Vince, who helped me with the, the new book that's coming out, we're working on a book called Emotional Sobriety One Day at a Time. Oh, wow. So Like a meditation book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to yeah. have a, like a... A, a thought for the day and then a, a, a discussion on that. And then, and then what's the last part called Tom? Try it on for size. Try, 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 just try this. I think it's called it's, it's oh, you got, cause you guys voted me down on, on smart ass comment of the day. So we, we, we you went to try this. Yeah. Or I think we've written it different ways. I, I write, try this, you try, try this on. I think, I think, I think you have more of a, a wardrobe uh, metaphor in mind. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was <laughs> Try this on for the day. But mm-hmm. to try this is because look, part of the, what I encourage all the time is that it's so important in all of this work we're doing to take an experimental attitude. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what's going to work for you. You know, I, and I'm, sometimes I'm not sure what's going to work for me, but if I have an open mind and that's where that open mindedness, I think becomes so important. If I have an open mind and try it on, my experience is going to tell me the validity of that for my life. When it fits, when it works, there's something inside that goes, aha, mm-hmm. this is it, right? So that it's that this is an experience that I have, that this fits, that there's something about this that makes total sense for my life. And when it doesn't, I don't have that kind of thing. I was going to say, I have a sponsee who's, um, who uh, is getting back into dating and relationships. He goes, how do I know when I'm ready? I said, when you start getting into relationships and seeing if you're ready, this, the only way to practice this stuff is to actually be in the moment in, in these relationships and situations with people and and to measure our reactions that's right and see what i would tell him tom if he was talking to me i'd mm-hmm. say you'll never be ready <laughs> forget that yeah. idea get in the relationship and, and do some on the job training see that's what gets you ready is get in there and mix it up and make some mistakes and get hurt and have your expectations and just stay closely connected to your experience and the way Herb Kagan says it, gently lean into the experience. Hmm. I love it. I love that kind of phrase. Gently lean into it because mm-hmm. our experience is going to teach us so much. Yeah. If, we're, if we're open to learning from it, and if we don't get in the way with these things, like I should know this already. 
or I should have this figured out, or I shouldn't have this kind of a problem, or, you know, what's wrong with me that I'm struggling with this? Well, maybe nothing. Right. (laughs) Well, I think that's, you know, I think, Alan, that's one of the, one of the main principles, at least in my, if I'm making a list of of principles of of emotional sobriety, uh, you know, living to learn is one of those principles. It's like, you know, the, the, it's just, you just take that, the hypothetical question, how, how will I be different if I, if I consider my goal today to learn something? You know, and then, and specifically, then if we say, what, what is my, how, how does my life change if I'm saying, what, what if my goal today is to learn something about me? You know, instead of, you know, uh, well, I think, about we, you, got, you know, I think yeah. we just got the subtitle of our podcast Emotional Sobriety, Living to Learn, and Learning to Live. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. I like it. Did you write that down, Patrick? Learning, Living to Learn, and Learning, and to, learning live. to Live. I got that. And then I wanted to ask Tom and Kathy um, about, well, you know, I want to hear what you think about the Thursday night emotional sobriety meetings, but then uh, more broadly speaking, this is all kind of a new process, the zoom support group. And, you know, what was the transition like, you know, I mean, it has to be like a year and some change ago when you first started bringing, you know, your felt, you know, your concept of fellowship from like the physical realm into we're all learning kind of how to do the zooms and getting over these awkward barriers and still finding that emotional intimacy with each other. Um, I, I just think it would be, I would love to hear uh, your guys' stories as far as like how you navigated that. I had some online relationships in recovery through a message board. And, and so I had some recovery conversations with people, which turned into phone calls. Uh, so I, I wasn't just a, you know, I, you know, I have to touch you, feel you, see you in a meeting to, to get a, uh, that relationship going. And, you know, luckily I'm a, I'm a tech guy. So when Zoom, you know, started to, to come into play at our local meetings, I helped set up a whole bunch of them. I, st- I still run a whole bunch of, of online meetings and um, found that we could still make emotional connections. We were seeing a, a huge thirst for, for recovery and people showing up. And, and being able to, to if, again, if I'm present, connect with the other person on the, on the screen. Uh, so that's been, that's been actually a, a wonderful way for, for me to, to expand and be of service and, and provide back. The uh, Thursday night meeting has been just a, a, a huge journey because I, I dabbled a bit. I'm like, oh, this is, this is interesting. This is good. Listening to Alan uh, bring in some speakers. And, uh, you know, and participating a little bit to then becoming a weekly participant and then, you know, getting the, the, you know, the, the bouncer position of handling the waiting room and, and helping to run it, which, you know, in a way I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know, uh, do I want to do this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's just run with it. And, and really enjoying being part of uh, that mosaic every Thursday night and finding people, both of, um, a like mind and a like spirit, just the thirst for trying to get to somewhere better for themselves, uh, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. For me, Zoom works really well. I am a little on the shy side. So, and I also like things to be very efficient. So you can just pop on, pop off. I, I don't feel as nervous on Zoom for some reason, because I think there's some kind of 
little bit of barrier than being in person. So it really kind of works for me really well. Um, it has totally enriched my program and my life because I can go to meetings all over the world and meet different people. So this experience, I never would have heard you guys. And my story is I started OA when I was 17. So I've been in OA 47 years and I've gone through therapy and stuff like, you know, sexual abuse, all this different, you know, codependency, um, alcoholism, all these, you know, I've, I've kind of come, I'm almost at the mountaintop and I was, I joined Al-Anon about five years ago and I was really getting a grip on codependency. And then this emotional sobriety, I tell people it's Al-Anon on steroids. My basis of my disease is codependency. And so it's the final frontier, the final freedom. And um, I believe I'm kind of finished with fixing and exploring my own self. And now I'm, and I'm starting to feel a grip on this emotional sobriety now. So now it's kind of time to give back and learn, you know, help others. And I had written Alan a, an email and said, because I'm always looking ahead. I guess it's a little bit of fear there. Of like, okay, what do I got to prepare for next? And I, so I said, you should write your next book on grief because, you know, boomers are getting older and I can see I'll be losing brothers and sisters, husbands, unless I go first. So, um, but I, I kind of feel like with the end of this or incorporating it, I'm kind of done for the most part. I mean, there'll always be, but there, what else is there? You know, you get over your addictions and you finally heal the codependency and become mature and balanced and humble. Then you're kind of done and ready to go out, live and experience and help others. Well, you know, Kathy, it's, it's all, it, the thing I think about, I, and I can't remember who I heard say this one time, but I love this sentence. It, it's, all, it's all about grief. You know, grief's about letting go. If you think about what, how much, how much is, are we in, in any, any, any version of the A programs, uh, you know, we're letting go of things always. It, I think about friends of mine and, and people I've known through the years who are parents. And I, you know, one of the things I, I, I told somebody just the other day that uh, when I, I, I recognize a really good parent, because I, when I see somebody who is, has children and they're in a constant simultaneous state of celebration and grief, they're always letting go of something and they're always, they're always celebrating something new and there is always something new, but it's grief. There's, it's interesting you say that there's, uh, two two books that I, one of them is a book called uh, Necessary Losses by Judith Fiorst, written back in the 70s. I'm rereading that again, based just based on what we all are talking about. But basically, her 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 point of view is is uh, uh, the 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 quality we, with which we live our life is dependent upon how well we grieve. How, how, how we do with, with loss. And, and then the other one I told Alan, I told you that this Pema Chodron brought out a lot of another book that sounds perfect for us. Wel welcoming the unwelcome. 
And so that if that's not emotional sobriety, I don't know what is. But I think that, you know, I think that your your insight, Kathy, that, that uh, uh, I mean, there probably there's probably any number of ways to put it. But grief is a beautiful way to put it. And it's not grief is not just what we do when when somebody dies. It's, it's what we're doing when we're uh, as you know, at, at my at my age, 67, I realized, no, you're you're, the, you're losing things all all along. And I'm in, at an age where what you're talking about is true, too, that that, you know, uh, I feel like people are dropping like flies around me sometimes. And, and it's, and it's, it's, uh, it's a different experience than I thought it was going to be. It really is a challenging experience and doesn't, and does feel like we, we need to work on being better at it. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that look at it. Yeah. In a crude way, I, I describe it as caring and not caring, right? Mm-hmm. Like find, like mm-hmm. it's all going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's all going to happen anyway. Right. How much? You know, how much do I care because I'm emotionally involved, or I, I, I love that person, or experience, or whatever? But not care so much that I'm devastated when it leaves me, and that I'm I'm crippled by it. And that's you know that's the balance. And, and I want to clarify. I think what you're saying by done, Kathy, because what we say is our recovery is never done. We're never finished in the sense, but I think what you mean, at least is what I would mean, but, and you correct me if you're thinking different about it, is when you're saying done, it means you have a set of tools now to be able to meet whatever happens in your life and feel that you can take that experience and now claim it, process it, digest it, work with it so that it doesn't knock you off balance. See, that, that's the done part. It's like now you've got a couple tools, mm-hmm. right? You've got these tools that now you really feel like, God, somebody's, you know, I'm finally figuring out what do, how do I show up in this world to be mm-hmm. able to, to be okay at the end of it, right? Is to be able to take whatever's going to, whatever experiences come my way and to be able to meet them. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the meaning you have when you use the word done? Yes, Yes. It's almost to me like um, cleaning a house and you really get it really clean. You have it organized just how you want it and you're very comfortable in it. And sure, you're going to have to keep cleaning and, you know, but it's pretty much, you know, and there might. You got the tools, you got the broom, you've got the mop, you've got the cleaners, you've got right. All the things, the rags that you need, you know, all the different things that you need to clean the house. And some things you didn't even realize that you could clean. Now you've got some cleaners for that. See, that's what I love about recovery is that we're discovering things all the time that help us. I mean, I I see that just between Tom and I in terms of the work we've done this last year. I've seen Tom change over this year. I think he's heard how I've changed and I've adopted some stuff from him. He's adopted some stuff from me. I've taken stuff from that Thursday night meeting. Me too. I got something out of that Thursday night meeting with people sharing and stuff like that, new perspectives. Um, even today, I've gotten something from what you brought to us and how you're thinking about it. So that's the thing. So when, so everybody, when you listen to Kathy, she's not saying you're done, done, done. You're not, it's not like you're a, you're a tri-tip and you've been cooked to the right temperature. <laughs> and now we're finished, yeah. right? We're finished. We take the tri-tip out. We're ready. No. She is saying is that she's got, and this is true. It made me think of an interesting discussion in psychotherapy. <laughs> a Freud call it, called it, is, is, is analysis terminable or interminable? Are we ever mm-hmm. done surfacing mm-hmm. 
the unconscious into the conscious. Does there ever a point mm -hmm. where that's complete? And of course, the conclusion was no. Fritz Perls, the Gestalt therapist, came along, and instead of him focusing on bringing unconscious to consciousness, it's it's integrating polarities. Mm -hmm. but Tom calls it like your should monster and, mm -hmm. and let's say your healthy self, right? And mm -hmm. how do we integrate mm -hmm. these two parts of us? You know, and 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 Fritz came up with the same thing is we're gonna be integrating issues the rest of our life, but the technology, the learning how to do that. Just like we said, when we start learning how to unpack our disturbances, after we've unpacked them, it doesn't mean all our all of a sudden all our expectations are going to be purged and we're not going to have any more. What's going to happen is the ones that are unconscious or out of our awareness will stumble across. And now we have a way of saying, wow, what's the expectation underneath this? See, that's mm -hmm. the technology that you're talking about. That's mm -hmm. great. Well, I used to just feel crippled by these various things like the eating disorder and the, the sexual abuse and the codependency. And, and now it's kind of like, I'm kind of, I just feel more like I'm okay now. And now I can just live, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's like, a, there's no major things anymore that, that well, you're caught, up, you're, you're caught up. You're, I mean, I, sometimes I think we just feel like the first part of our life, we're just trying to get to the damn starting line. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> you know? and you get there, it feels really good. Yes. Excuse me, Patrick, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. I was just going to say that uh, for a long time, I, uh, I didn't recognize the house as being like um, cleanable. I, there weren't, you know, there, the, nothing was malleable, you know, yeah. things just are what they are. And I, and, and, I was kind of being led by things rather than doing the leading or doing the driving. And so, I mean, I imagine you said 40, you know, what was it? What did you say? Like it's been 42 years since you've been 47 years, 47 and years. And then Tom is about is celebrating like, what is it? Your 32nd birthday or something uh, like that. I just celebrated 32 in February. Yeah. 32. I mean, so uh, you guys are uh, old hats at this point at you, you go and do a lot of maintenance to, you know, manage, manage all the feelings coming at you. And that's the, you know, that's how, why I think the emotional sobriety um, meeting and the movement is so exciting is that uh, it starts to stretch the boundaries and we start to mix in these different tools and philosophies and science and, and you can blend it together and not have to worry about some, the dogma, let's say, you know, uh, 12 steps or AA specifically. And I really enjoy that because, because, you know, I can tell you, I can tell you where my pain points are. I can tell you, you know, when that character defect pops up, I can do some work and kind of bring it back around to why I got disturbed. And I think that's what Kathy was saying, too. You get to a certain point and then just the emotional sobriety stuff just layers on top of it so nicely. Alan, I want to tell you that I, I know I know how you got how your reflex got triggered with when Kathy words used the word done. Because what it remind, I listened carefully after that too, and what, what that reminded me of of when I was much much younger, and I'd gone to one week of treatment for codependency after I'd been sober for a few, maybe a year, and I remember literally saying to a friend of mine, "I'm so glad I've got that family of origin stuff taken <laughs> care of." 
you know, and it's like, because, and I, and, and, and we do, there are places where we actually are in points of celebration of having done a lot of work that it is a good reminder that it's not bad news that, that when, when, you know, when us killjoys come in here and say, now not done, done, you know, there's, yes. there's more to do, but I love the idea of, of maintenance being in a place where you're, you're not always, you're not, you're not always behind trying to catch up. Right. That, yeah, I, I look yeah. at recovery. Recovery is kind of like Sisyphus, but not in a bad way. You know, you're rolling that <laughs> rock up to the top. You just come to like the rock and you come to kind of like, you know, be comfortable with the process. And, 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 you, know. and you get comfortable when the rock rolls back over you. Yeah, you, can, you know, the rock becomes your friend, right? Yeah. So that's, that, that happened again. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sis, Sisyphus, but not in a bad yeah. way. I love I, I was <laughs> expecting that when I let go of the rock, it wasn't going to roll back on top of me. Where did that expectation go? Yeah, yeah. The scary part was how many times did we think that before (laughs) before it occurred to us that maybe maybe it's going to do it every time. I remember when Earhart seminar training started, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you guys knew any of S people that went to to yeah. But I had a lot of my clients because that that was at the time of the human potential movement. Everybody's going, and when they came back, they always had one line. Do you remember what the line is? No, but I'll recognize it when you say it. I got it. Yeah. Uh, I got it. Mm-hmm. And it was always like the big question, well, what is the it? And you mm-hmm. could not find out what the it was unless you went. See, mm-hmm. That was the secret, right? That was that mm-hmm. was the, uh, the hook. Marketing, marketing. And, oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, my God, you got it? You really have it? You got it? Oh, my God, I wanted it all my life. Now, I didn't know what the hell it was, but mm-hmm. I knew I wanted it. Whatever it was, I had to have it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> and it was such a great thing because then, then what the got it was is they, the, the got it was you never got it, meaning mm-hmm. that it was something you could never get. It, it was always a process of becoming, right, right. Of, of moving towards, right? But the one thing I was laughing about before, you know, recently, one of the things that's just really coming to the foreground is how how my expectations, so many of my expectations were grounded in an idea of perfection. Mm -hmm. And and it it translated, I mean, in all directions in my life, vertically and horizontally, if, if you will, right? In every dimension of my life. And in it recently, it just shows up in terms of marriage. Is Does my marriage have to be perfect for it to be okay? Unconsciously, I get it out here, right? It's a superficial level. I get it. Mm-hmm. But then when things don't go a certain way, and I started looking at what did I expect from my wife? How come I'm so disappointed in the way she handled this that it didn't live up to this idea? And I started to think what that idea was, and that idea was an impossibility. Mm-hmm. It's like this my I had this idea that if I found the woman that could be perfect, I would finally be okay. Yeah. Because she responded to everything I did in the perfect way. My God, I could just feel good the rest of my life. See, it was so, my emotional dependency was so strongly connected to what she was going to do and how she was going to deal with my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. See, I was looking for her to handle my shortcomings better than I could handle my own shortcomings. Right. 
Well, hang on, just, hang on, hang on, hang on, just a second. I got a call coming in here from Jess. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He'll he'll be he'll he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Oh, oh, we got it. We got we got we got we got we got four we got four people on him right now. It's okay. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> I've got a I've got a good example of um, you know a, a, a marriage relationship uh, emotional sobriety thing that I went through a couple of years ago. So my my daughter. Uh, started college. Uh, she just finished her uh, second year. So two years ago, I guess she started college and, um, she, my wife and her, uh, had a great relationship and, but Maddie was lonely as many freshmen are and you know, the friendships didn't work out. And she was upset and talking to my wife and my wife was upset. And I said, I can't believe you guys didn't like know this was coming and be and, and like that there'd be some separation. There'd be some loneliness. And, she went, and I was getting upset that they were upset. And what I realized was it was my expectation that, that they wouldn't get upset. Why not just let them be upset and cry out and over the phone. And that was the thing. It was like, Oh, they're fine. <laughs> I'm uh, my reaction to that is, is what's off on this. Right. You know, I see it even manifesting the things like finish your dinner. How come you're not eating dinner now? How come there's an expectation that a kid has to eat dinner at five o'clock when dinner is served? Where does this idea come from that all the time we're going to, and, and then when I started to examine it, how come I want her to eat dinner is because I want to feel like I'm doing my job as a parent and feeding my kids. And so they don't go hungry. Right. But that doesn't put my kid in the picture. I mean, that treats her like an object again. You must eat because it's five o'clock and your dad needs to feel like he's being a good dad. I mean, give me a break. You want to build right. an eating disorder? Go ahead and keep doing that shit, Dad. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, it's, so, it's so interesting how that permeates itself through so many, even little subtle issues like that. How well, and, and, and Tom, Tom, your 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 example is a really good one too, as well. Is is because this is and this is this is I think a good teaching point about about. Uh, exploring what we can do in our practice with emotional sobriety is because I identify with that a lot. As, and I think, I think um, Kathy would be the representative to tell us how, what it is, if, if women have this too, but, but, you know, um, those m m men tend to, you know, we have this thing or a lot of us do where if, if I, if you will just let me tell you how I think about this and if you will think the way I think, then your feelings will be the way that I, that, that my feelings are. And since I'm not upset, if you'll think about it like this, and of course that's, I didn't realize for quite a while that that was one more aspect of my control shit, you know, and it's like, uh, which is the clinical term for it. I found out is control shit. And, and uh, <laughs> but the, but the idea is, you know, when I, I finally got to this idea that I would say, I'll be, oh, I'm only upset because this person or my wife or somebody else, oh, you're being a victim. And so I had a therapist at one time that just said, I think you're a victim to victims. And, wow. and it's like, and it was, it was, it was beautiful. I was, it just made the point that basically anytime I see somebody think being a victim, I immediately need them to change so that I'll be okay. And it's, it's like, there's just something about that, you know, just that there was a little ding in my head for that one. And, and I've been practicing that one for a long time. And that's what I heard you talking about just to realize, wait a minute, this, and, and, and the other thing is just to realize that that relationship they're having over there is none of my business. 
you know, but we got to keep tracking it back. The teaching point, I say, we got to, you know, if you, if, if you track it down and you go, you got it so far as to say, well, no, I have this now. I'm, I'm concerned about this relationship between these two people. Well, that's fine. That may be an issue too, but keep tracking back until you get it all the way back to yourself till there's, till there's something inside of you that you, that you have a choice about. And, 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 and if you haven't found your way back there, just keep looking. And if you can't find that, get some help to look for it. Cause I can always find perfectly good explanations about why I was upset out in the world. And it wasn't that they're not real. It's just, that's not where the solution was going to be. I've almost come to the conclusion that I almost just don't have to talk anymore because uh, unless it's positive, do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because because well, yeah. Well, uh, to me, to me, I mean, I don't know, maybe you tell me if, you, if it th sounds like it might be the same thing. It's, there's a, a little little uh, line I use in my and say it to myself. You know, when in doubt, just don't say anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like if you know if if and, and 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 sometimes it's just a matter of. And for me, it's a delay thing. It's like so often if I will things I will automatically reflexively say to somebody else because I'm being triggered by something with them is if I'll just put a delay on it. It's like if it happens in the morning, I'll say, well, tonight when I come home, I'm still thinking about it. Then I'll do something about that. Never am, you know, never, mm -hmm. never, ever. And it's, and it's like, you just, just, just put the pause button and I don't have to do it immediately because that's one of the, the signs of my own control stuff was, 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 was always that, that and can still be is that sense of urgency. I need to say this. Mm -hmm. I need, I need, I need you to, and I not only need that, I need you to understand it now. You know? And I don't need an opinion on everything. And I certainly don't need to share it. I do. Right. People right. don't need, need, they don't they really don't need most of our opinions. Sad for them, of course, but. but. <laughs> well, it goes back to what Alan said about the, uh, the S program, <laughs> about the, I got it. You know, it, it was, for me, it was um, realizing that, you know, I don't got it. And usually when I say I got it, it, it goes pretty quickly in spectacular fashion, you know, like, mm -hmm. but like, so you might as well just say I had it. <laughs> I had it here a minute ago. And I lost it. <laughs> and being able to pursue this emotional sobriety, you know, I do a lot of spiritual uh, reading and ex exploring uh, with some uh, meditation groups and in uh, a book club and um, doing it because I want to, not because I need to, not because I feel like there's something missing or I got a hole or or that I've got to reach enlightenment, uh, you know, I'm Sisyphus, but I'm pretty cool with just, you know, pushing the rock up the hill. Can I ask, because um, I'm going to. <laughs> okay, there you go. How did you guys meet? Because you guys really complement each other very well. Well, it's, uh, we also <laughs> insult each other very well. It's, uh, it's, uh, which is, which is obviously balance. It's, we, we, we met at a meeting in, 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 uh, in Nunley, Nunley, Tennessee at the ranch, a treatment center. Uh, uh, and I don't even remember why you were there. I was, I was I, there. I was, I was, I, I had just moved to Nashville to run Cumberland Heights mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was the chief clinical officer and yeah. we heard about the or I was told about the work that you guys were doing out at the ranch well I, I was doing none of the work I that was I, I was a consultant I, I well I was a consultant there and I 
and and I and I've and I, and I have learned too. This is the nature of consulting. But I was I, I referred to myself as the consultant who was never consulted. It's like they they you know, I was I, they gave me money which I appreciated, but they never asked me any questions or asked me to be involved in anything. So I just stayed there for a while and did some stuff. And and but I but very grateful that I met you. Uh, and my my wife and I were in that meeting because uh, she was right. the equine therapist there. And then, but the bigger, but the bigger deal after that was that Alan was kind, kind enough to invite me to be a part of his. Oh yeah. So I got exposed to your, to your intrapsychic therapy, which, <laughs> which resonates so closely with the, uh, with the gestalt therapy that mm -hmm. I was doing and, and, um, and how experiential it was. So when we started mm -hmm. the Andrew and I started the uh, evolution of addiction treatment conference in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. Mm -hmm. So every year we would put that together and we would invite different speakers around that we thought were a part of expanding our understanding of how to treat addiction, how to evolve the, the dialogue that was necessary. Tom was, it was a It was a great conference, by the way, Alan. You, got, you guys put together such innovative people to come in and talk about that stuff. So I said, God, Tom, would you come out and do a workshop for us? Mm -hmm. I think it was the first one or the second mm -hmm. one. If I first remember. one, first, first one, yeah. We did the first one together. Mm -hmm. So so it just so happened I was doing, I forgot what my topic was, but they stuck the rooms next to each other. And it was over, I think we were at the uh, Doubletree at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And first yeah. of all, you know how they divide those conference rooms mm -hmm. These dividers they use are not soundproof. First, those are little cloth dividers. Yeah. Here, <laughs> let, let me. I'm gonna, tag, I'm gonna tag you out here. I gotta tell this part because because you, you're not gonna be able to tell it as as, as good as I can because it's, it's it's sad for me. It's, it's so so so. I'm our topics are very much this, sim, very similar. We're right next to each other. We're gonna be able to hear each other. Uh, Alan has seventy people in his room. I have four. Wow. Okay, okay. So so I'm sitting there going. I'm going through, now. This this was actually now that I think about it, testament to my recovery by that point in my life that I would do this rather than just go through this humiliating experience. But, but I, I I I told my four I said we're going on a field trip, um, and and uh, and we went next door and I and I told Alan I said look you I'm not going to do this and I'm going and I thought I was and actually I because I do like to get away with not working, and I I thought I was at that point I had gotten I had solved that problem I pulled up a bar stool which always makes me comfortable even 35 years into my sobriety I was sitting over in the corner. And Alan starts to do this wonderful workshop that he's doing, but he just, so he goes, well, Tom, come over here. And I go, you know, what? It's like, and I go, and, and so he, we're, he, he waits till he has, we both like to, to teach by demonstrating. So we were doing role plays and different stuff like that. And so we accidentally did a workshop together. And we had so much fucking fun. Uh, and, and I think the, the I think the group did, too. I think the, the feedback was good, but it was like no planning whatsoever. We it was it, it, the time that I got nervous was the next conference when we were going to do it on purpose. Yes. And, and, and then I actually panicked at that point thinking, oh, my God, I don't think I can do this if I know we're going to do it. But uh, but but it really was it was an accidental workshop that we did together and we've been doing them together since then. And this, that's so we called it point of intervention was the mm -hmm. next workshop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I remember the first one we did is is I like to, to put slides up. You know that you've seen me present before and I like to use the slides. Mm -hmm. up. 
and, and Tom says, all right, well, I'm going to try to do this. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll tell you, he did a much better job. He created some of the, these great graphics where, where, where he had half of his face and half of my face on it. Because wow. there, there was a blending of our work, but yet it was individualized and it was a great message. And, and, and what these workshops meant, and I think we did five of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, five. Yeah. So, you know, over the last 12 years, we've been doing these work. Those, that was 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think we've been working together for 13 or 14 now. But what started to happen was it was, we really got uh, quite a following. I mean, we'd get 100 mm-hmm. people in the pre-conference mm-hmm. workshops coming mm-hmm. to join us. Mm-hmm. And some centers would bring their whole staff to mm-hmm. us because, it was so great to see, first of all, that two people could share the stage that had some different ideas about stuff and we could mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. that respectfully. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it had to be this way or that way. Mm-hmm. There was room for both ways. That was the first thing. Mm-hmm. And it was a very refreshing thing because you'll see in the field a lot, this is the better way to do than that, right? There's a lot right. of that in psychotherapy. I'm right. going to carve out my ground. This is the best therapy. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of polarization that occurs that's unnecessary and creates that opportunity to find that ground where where there's where there's some similarities and even mm-hmm. even though there are some differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and different things work for different. Well, things. so you're right. So in, mm-hmm. in, in a funny way, Tom, the whole thing started mm-hmm. with your emotional sobriety. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I never thought about that until today, but you're right. It's like <laughs> I was an example of emotion. And listen, I've done those workshops before by people, and and I've been invited up in Canada. I remember this one thing I was doing on family therapy. I had five folks show up for family therapy. Mm. You know, it's like you know, I've done those things, and and so I've been in those shoots as well. And and I thought it was, I thought it really turned out to be. My workshop was a lot better as a result of Tom was there. Mm-hmm. I think his workshop would have been a lot, was a lot mm-hmm. better because mm-hmm. we had done that day. And that's what we found. The synergy was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did you find emotional sobriety? Which, who, are we talk, who are we talking uh, about? Tom Adish. How did you find the meetings and become the, the chat, the Zoom master? Oh, Alan's fault. So... Uh, I had been um, I've been on this path. I think similar to you, Kathy. I, you know, I, I got sober at eighteen. I had uh, a lot of ground to cover <laughs> in terms of like undoing a lot of the the trauma of my, my youth, and mm-hmm. um, and just keep you know keep working at it. And and through therapy and then other twelve step programs and spiritual guides and um, you know uh, philosophy. It just everything i was i'm a spiritual mutt you know i'm a recovery mutt i'll just take anything mm-hmm. and then uh, you know probably it was a, about maybe 15 years ago someone had a recording of alan uh talking at uh, i think the betty ford clinic and I, when he was introduced it, i think you had 30 years because someone had mentioned you were 30 years sober at 50 years old right and uh and and like the you know that was uh, you know part of his introduction and he talked about you know bill's letter as well as some other stuff and i'm like this really resonates with me and i and i listened to it over and over again for a while and then other stuff came and went and then alan showed back up again you know and 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 like oh that this stuff fits really well with how i see the world and some of my uh you know uh, 
mixing of, you know, Buddhism and, and um, uh, non-dualism and, and recovery work. And he popped up again. And I, he had done the recording of his interpretation uh, of Bill's letter. And I ordered like a dozen CDs from him and, and handed out to sponsees and people. And, and then again, he showed up again on my, uh, on my mailing list for the Thursday night meeting. And that's when I started. He won't go away. That, that is true. That's, I mean, it's, yeah, that's true. And, and I may, you know, and this is my own codependency, emotional sobriety stuff is I like, I want to fit in on Thursday night. So I share. Right. And I put myself out there and I'm waiting for some validation. And like, is this the right look? And then I say, hey, Alan, I'm, I'm, I do this Zoom thing quite a lot. I'm willing to help out. So all of a sudden I'm co-host and I'm letting people in. <laughs> and it's like I want to belong, but I don't want to put, be pushy about belonging. You know, it's like this intricate dance that I do. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, but I'm OK with where I am in, in the, uh, you know, the hierarchy of uh Thursday night emotional sobriety. I've carved out a little niche, and I'm good with that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting because the way I think about your your experience there is you you followed Stephen Covey's um, idea in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and where he talks about increase your circle of of influence mm-hmm. on a person. Mm-hmm. And what he what he says is the way you do that is you find out what's going on and what they need. And you try to meet a need that they're not meeting and try mm-hmm. to help them with that. So I've often reflected on what you did in terms of joining the group and how you've made yourself an integral part of that as, as a very seamless way of, of making yourself a part of. And to me, it just shows to me your maturity and the work you've done on yourself and, and, and it's deep, and I deeply appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're definitely. As do I. And I've never felt, I've never felt that you've pushed yourself. No. Not yeah. in the experience I've had. See, that's something in your head, Tom. I don't well, have. I, I appreciate that. And that's the, you know, that's the, again, the, the talk about Kathy. I'm done, but I still have the tools to evaluate when those thoughts come up, whether or not that's true or not. Right. Well, you, you heard that right. the other day when I was sharing what somebody said in the thing a lot. Hey, we'd like more Roger. And I love what Tom said. Tom said, well, listen, the way I hear that is, is less Tom, more, more Roger. And see, that's, that's those other voices in our head, right? Absolutely. I, I thought that, you know, that, that that was such an important thing that you did in the meeting, Tom, when you shared <laughs> that. Because, you know, everybody, I've done that a million times. My, my God, why wasn't I mentioned? Now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. There's some, I, you know, it's that negative arrogance thing that mm-hmm. you talk about. Look, it's so great that that can be talked about. But I just wanted to give you that feedback. I've never once felt that you're pushy. Even your comments after somebody else shares, I've always felt are appropriate and welcome. Mm-hmm. There's room for you. And you've created that space. Well, what, when you, uh, at one point, I I said something and you said great stuff you know feel free to jump in i'm like great that's what i want and, oh my god that's what I- <laughs> <laughs> I hear yeah no and look that's and that's great that we can talk about those things and own those those are the things that i was ashamed of i felt and i would never let anybody know we're, we're going on mm-hmm. yeah, and i took and that's you know the kind of maturity that's come with this work is 
I, I've taken that to my wife, who's my confidant and, and my, my good friends, uh, you know, in, in recovery to talk that stuff through, because again, in, in here on my own, yeah, sometimes it, it, it's not exactly clear. Well, this brings, this will bring us full circle back to Kathy's uh, checklist uh, or pre-takeoff checklist there, because toward the bottom of that was, was, uh, uh, was it's not, it's, the goal is not happiness, it's freedom. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and this honesty is what give what that's what it gives us. It's, it, you know, basically it's not a very long trip to happiness from freedom is what I find is it's like, it's, you know, so, certainly to relaxation to not, to not be living in fear. But, uh, but the idea of when, you you know, when Alan, when you say like it's good that we can talk about that stuff, it's like the coolest thing in the world to know that you can just you know when and and I and I get reminded when I'm talking to clients sometimes that you know that that I sometimes even take that for granted is is the idea. Well, what do I do in a situation like this? Is because I'm upset about this and nervous about this. I say, well, just tell them. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell them the truth. And of course, you know, for sometimes, and I remember when somebody would have said that to me and I would have said, okay, well, what else you got? Okay. That would be one stupid thing I could do, but what was, what would be another most recent little one-liner uh, I posted somewhere was I wrote with a, uh, with a client in, in session the other day, which was when I don't know what to do, I know what to do. That's where confidence and humility meet. You know, it's yeah. like, I know, I know. And it's basically what we're talking about here. This very subject of, of support, reach out, you know, I, I need to talk to somebody. I need to run something past somebody. I don't, it doesn't have to be, you know, one of the things I want people to know about support doesn't have, you don't, it, that doesn't just mean emergency support, stay in touch with people. It's okay. You know, it's just, it, it doesn't even have to be urgent. You know, it's, it's, I had a, had a, had a friend years and years and years ago said, I, I call my sponsor every day. And he says, the reason I do that, that way, when I have a stupid question, it doesn't show up so much. You know, I just want to say, this has really been like a highlight of my life. Um, being able to be on this podcast with you guys. And I, I just, you guys are so great. So well, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. We, wonderful yeah. to have you here. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And, love, and, love, and that's one of the wonderful things about that, um, that amazing group that you started, Alan. And I know that it, it didn't occur to you that this is what was going to happen when you decided to, to host a group for, you know, a couple of weeks when the COVID thing happened. <laughs> it's, it's like this, this happened. But it's, it's the idea that, that so many people show up at that meeting. And, and from that community, I feel like I have made friends from with you guys. I feel, you know, I've, you know, it's, it's like, we live in a world, of course, this is weird when you grew up in the sixties, it, it's like, it's just, it, it's just, we live in a world where we're, you know, we have many, many friends I've never met in person, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, but, but it's it, the, the idea that we have such an intimate connection in that setting mm-hmm. is just has been that I'll use your word with that. That's been a highlight of my life. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank Kathy, you guys Kathy, I want to, Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, I wanted to be sure that you saw the movie flight about the pilot in recovery. Did you enjoy that? Yes. Was that the one with um, Denzel Washington? Yes. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that seems like something you might enjoy. And then I wanted to be sure that before we signed off, uh, would you mind if I posted your list um, for people to look at uh, sure. with the episode? I'll send it to you. Yes. Yeah. I'll make sure that finds its way into the show notes. All right, so one final announcement is I've got my book signing party, my virtual book signing party coming up on June 3rd. Mm -hmm. Hors d'oeuvres will be served but not tasted. 
Right. Well, well, they'll be served because I'm serving my own. Yeah, <laughs> they will be served. Take my own. <laughs> I gotta say, everybody has your own discretion. So, so, you know, um, Tom, I appciate so much that you're going to be participating in that. In it, and I'm very excited oh, yeah. about the format of the evening. I'm, um, you know, people are uh, my good dear friend Chuck Alvarez, and you're going to love this guy. He's uh, mm-hmm. in recovery for a long time. He's a phenomenal guitar player. Mm-hmm. I've played in three bands with Chuck so far. And and Chuck, the reason the band sounded so good was because of Chuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he was our musical. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Chuck was amazing. So he's coming in. He's, he's bringing in some songs that are perfect for the evening. And then mm-hmm. after that, you know, um, several of my dear friends and colleagues are going to read a section of the book that stood out to them mm-hmm. and then discuss it. And uh, it should be uh, not should. There's no should, but it, it mm-hmm. will be. And I think mm-hmm. phenomenal night. I'm very excited. If you'd like, it's open to anyone. Mm-hmm. Patrick will also post this in the in the notes from the from this podcast. But it's www. the number four dphd.com. So that's for the number four dphd.com. There's an ISVP right on the front page of that website please click that you will then get the zoom link and you will also get a gift like with any book signing when you come to a book mm-hmm. signing you usually walk away with a little bag with some goodies in it like a pen mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that well you're going to get a collection of memes that are taken from the book that are kind of little nutshell wisdoms from mm-hmm. the book that, that uh, Kristen has put together so so please sign up and join us on june 3rd 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, BDT. Thank you for helping us with that today. We'll see you all next week. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me.